number nine, 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 number nine. Welcome to Inside Number Nine, our ninth episode of a Thai football podcast with me, Dale Farrington, and and me, Rob Bernard, back from Cochin. Did you have a good time? Amazing. Yeah, recommend it to anyone. I mean, obviously, I'm a bit of a sports nut, so beach cricket chucked into a, a wonderful holiday with me, my lovely wife. Sounds ideal. On with today's show. Um, as with last week, we've been very lucky. We've got some match reports coming up. We've got Jamie, who was at the Bury Ram game, Risa, who was at Ratbury, and then a little bit later, we've got Isaac and me chatting straight after the final whistle of Conken United against Chambury, and we've also got a couple of people who sent comments in as well. They didn't get round to doing an audio, but they've sent us some comments in, which they're quite happy for us to read out. So we've got all that coming up in the next segment. So are you ready for a couple of match reports, Rob? Yeah, hey, don't forget there's an international match report as well. Oh, I was saving that for later. Now the cat's out of the bag. I'll leave them in suspense, Dale. All right, we will. Okay, so a couple of um, match reports from this weekend. Ties to the podcast. Match reports. So it was a lovely evening in Burulam. Bit of a rainstorm before it started, but the stadium slowly filled up. Probably, I reckon, about 12,000 in there. They reckon 16,000 in there. But a lovely game, of course. Well, I say that. I may be lying. So six minutes in, cost on the right, and our man Shadeyev nods in a clever header over the goalkeeper, 1-0. Ten minutes later, another cost on the right, volleyed in by Kozesh, 2-0. And from that point, not much happened. First half, few attacks, fewer chances, not much. Half time came and went, and I honestly can say the second half was the most tedious, uneventful I've seen for a long time. Three bookings, I believe, and then finally, in the 92nd minute, the lovely English, handsome Leon James rifled in a close range shot to put it out 3 0. Altogether, three good points, three good goals, but rather tedious to watch, I'm afraid, unlike Boyelam. Ties to the Match Good evening from Dragon Solar Park, Ratchaburi. The match between Ratchaburi FC hosting Nakhon Patam United, the newly promoted team. The match ended 0-1 for the visitors. The match itself was highly positioned by Ratchaburi FC. They can control the game. But as we remember from the previous match with Price Chop, it's the same story that Rachaburi had all the position, had all the shoot on goals. But one simple mistake, I think, that makes the opponent can score a goal. So yeah, that's the match ended. 1-0 for another loss by Rachaburi FC. One loss away, one loss at home. Not a good start for the Dragons. While looks like party is happening for the away team, Nakhon Patam FC with their fans. Congratulations for Nakhon Patam FC. But keep going, Rachaburi FC. Come on, you Dragons. Cheers. Time to the podcast. Match reports. 
There you go. Great to hear from Jamie and Risa. So any any comments on those two? It's great, isn't it, to hear different voices and uh, different clubs being talked about. From the grounds as well. We like getting that, that authentic crowd noise. Yeah, we sort of give them a hint, didn't we, on Twitter during the week, and it's like a competition coming in. Yeah, and I, I do actually have a couple of um, comments to add to the Ratbury match report. Now, these are from Neil, Neil Oliver. Now, this is for the Chombury match yesterday. He does mention VAR, but... But obviously VAR was used in the Chombury game yesterday and we've got that coming up. Me and Isaac touch on that. So this was before. This is what Neil had to say about uh, Reese's match report. And I I feel a bit like, do you remember back in the the sort of 70s and 80s when the IRA weren't allowed to be on the TV and the BBC used to have to hire actors to do the voices? (laughs) Can you do any acts? Uh, I can do a few, but I'm not going to. I'll just do it in my voice. But this this is a bit like that, where they had to hire actors to to, <laughs> to speak for Jerry Adams and, and the rest of them. So anyway, this, this, these are Neil Oliver's comments in my voice and my accent. Have refs been told to throttle back on the use of VAR this season? I've seen two live games and three on TV. VAR hasn't been used once. There was a blatant handball that stopped Ratbury scoring yesterday. Everybody in the stadium saw it. Everybody, that is, except for the ref. Even if he didn't see it, he should have had a nudge from VAR. Ratbury couldn't have scored if they were still playing. Now, in the pre-match shooting practice, we had three on target. It was a joke. So that's it. Pre-match, they couldn't even score. CO must be the worst centre-forward to wear a Ratbury shirt since 2018. And then he, he finishes by saying... I can't see the coach lasting long. Fluke, who's the the club owner, was interfering a lot, making him substitute substitutes. There you go. It's it's not looking uh, not looking good down Ratbury way. Just on the VAR. Well, my other theory is that they haven't told us yet, but they haven't paid the VAR fee for last season yet. Now that is a possibility. You could have hit on something there, Rob. Hi, my name is Anthony, and I'm listening to a Thai football podcast. And we've had some more comments sent in. This is from Graham. Again, he didn't have time to do an audio clip, but he sent me these in. So I'm just going to read them out again in my voice, in my accent. But these are Graham's comments. He's a police terror fan. And this is what he says about the, the game, which was on... It was Friday night, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the game from Friday night. He makes a few points. Police missing a big striker. Despite signing Kwame Kirakari, we've only seen him in a pre-season friendly with customs. Seems to happen every season with police. Sign a striker who never plays. And when your centre-half is consistently one of your top goal scorers season after season, it's pretty obvious where the problems are. Typort just looked too strong for police to deal with. I think they will have a good season. I suppose that happens when every year you take the best players from each of the smaller teams and then make them sit on the bench or not even have them in the squad. Police badly need a goalkeeper with our first choice out for nine months and our second choice out for what looks like six months. We're down to our third choice after two games. And we all know tie keepers aren't really known for being that good. Now to the most important part points. It's about time Port sorted out this no beer inside the ground rule. Been going on for years now. Pointless. None of that nonsense at the fortress Bunyach in there. Port should have a separate section for the YouTube influencers, part-time fans that rock up just before kickoff and can't get a ticket. They shouldn't be allowed in the way end wearing their newly purchased Port shirts. After the shocking scenes at Patia last weekend, I don't think this behaviour should be encouraged. And he finishes by saying, final thought, Friday night games are cracking. Nothing better than waking up on a Saturday and having to check the score because you can't remember if you won or lost. 
So those those are Graham's comments on Friday night. Anything you want to add? Yeah, sure. First of all, good to get some inside info on uh, police terror. A well-run outfit and very underrated and unnoticed by many. Some very candid fans. If you if you think train spotting minus Begby with a few extras instead, you're somewhere near. Um, He's bang on uh, regarding the two calls for school brigade down at Port, in my opinion. I'd set him up a mini Royal Ascot influence set round on the training ground. Anyway, on, on to another match report. Now, this was Isaac and me. We had a very quick chat after the final whistle yesterday. Conken United travelled to Chumbury and came back with a nil-nil draw. Tied to the Match reports. The final whistle has just gone at Chambry Stadium, and I'm joined by a Conken United fan. It's Isaac. Welcome back, Isaac. Hi, Dale. Good to be back. So, what did you make of that? The last, well, I was going to say 90 minutes, but it was near 115, wasn't it, with all the stoppages? And even oh. after all that time, still no goals scored. Yeah, I think you've got your goalkeeper to thank for that. He was he was in inspired form, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been by far our best player of the season so far, these first two matches. I think he's pretty much single-handedly earned us both of our two points that we have so far. I mean, he, he was outstanding today. I mean, I, I can, can recall three, four fantastic saves that he made. One right at the end. I think it was the last touch of right, the game, yeah. wasn't it? tipped it over for a corner and then there was one just before you were awarded a penalty which we'll come to in a minute <laughs> I want to I want to get your thoughts right. on that and I think there were two others weren't there early in the second half there was one from close range and then I think there was also one I remember that was a double save I think the first shot coming from Ben Davis and then the rebound went to one of your other players. I can't remember who, but another close range shot that was saved as well. Was was that the one in the first half? There was one quite early, wasn't there? Yeah, first half, maybe around 20 minutes or so. It's a, it's a game we should have won, I thought. I thought in, in terms of possession and chances created. And I think on another day, we probably would have got two or three. But that's football, isn't it? You've got to put your chances away. And I think, in, you yeah. know, in the end, you know, you, you look at it overall. And I think with a performance like that, you deserve the point. Yeah, I think yeah, you're exactly right there. I think Chonbury probably played the better game. I don't think many people would argue with that. But yeah, like you said, uh, with our goalkeeper in the form that he is right now, like I think you can't really argue with us getting a point either as well. So I think ultimately in, in the end, John Bory would be a bit disappointed, but probably a fair result, or at least close enough to fair that each team can w- live with it. And what's that? Two two nil-nil draws now for you? Two nil-nil draws, yeah. Yeah, I think you must be quite satisfied with that. Bury Ram at home and John Bury away, not, not the easiest start to the season. So yeah, think... definitely. To get two points out of those two fixtures, I, those are two of the toughest ones we'll have across leg one. So to come away with points in each of those games, I'd absolutely take that. We've got to mention the penalty because I I could not believe what I was seeing, to be honest. I mean, even in real time and watching on TV, it didn't look any... And the referees, he seemed, he was close enough, wasn't he, to see the incident. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, I don't know, but fair enough to him. Like, uh, that was probably the shortest VAR check I've ever seen. Just one quick look and back out and sort of seem to like tap his chest, like saying, yeah, OK, that's my bad. I own up to that. Rightly so. Cancelling the penalty. Quite that's... a shameful dive, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a fan of VAR at all. But if you are going to have it, that was a perfect example of how to use it. It was quick. The decision was the right one in the end and mm-hmm. everybody right. accepted it and moved on. Yeah, absolutely. But I have seen plenty of them where 
yeah, they just take way too much time. And in the end, you're still not even sure that it's the right decision. So it's good to see the right outcome in such a short amount of time as well. Definitely. I mean, from, from a Chambury point of view, I'll, I'll just very quickly go through my thoughts. I thought Ben Davies played really well, especially in the first half. He's, he seemed to be um, he seemed to be everywhere. Him and Chanarong, very impressed with those two. And I felt you looked vulnerable when players ran at you. I know Am- Amadou had a couple of runs and the defence didn't really know what to do. I had noticed that a couple of times in the first half. Everyone was maybe sort of waiting for someone else to step up and stop the guy with the ball. They're all just sort of watching the ball, waiting for someone else to take action. And watching the game, I was you know, thinking of like which guys on your team were standing out that I could mention later. I agree with you on Ben Davis. He was, I think, your most dangerous player through most of the game while he was on. And what about Conken United? Who, who do you think your standout players were? We've already mentioned uh, the goalkeeper, Jirawat. Other than that, I'm not really sure if there were any others, to be honest. I think Karabue had a few nice moments, but just wasn't quite able to link up with some of the other players when it was absolutely necessary. He was able to carry the ball up the pitch a few times, but just a few mishit passes that just didn't quite have the right weight on them. Yeah. Anyway, definitely. there we go. I think that that pretty much sums it up. I mean, it it wasn't the greatest game, but for for a no. nil nil, it was it was fairly entertaining. I think especially the last uh, few minutes of the second half, there were a few chances both ways, but no one just able to make the final pass or the final shot or beat the informed goalkeeper that we have. The last two minutes, it went end to end. I think both teams had two mm-hmm. really good chances to score, and either the keeper saved or the shot. I think one of your shots went. Did it go wide? There was one very late on that yeah looked... we had we had one that went just wide from Brenner uh and then the I think the last one you're talking about that was I think from Karabue who just shot it straight at the keeper that was the one I think Brenner Brenner should have scored that was that was earlier on wasn't it in the second half so I was expecting that to be a goal and I think nine times out of ten that probably would have scored but I think he just missed hit it the lead up to it was was fantastic and he, he seemed to have the simple uh, the simple bit at the end just putting the ball in the net anyway right there we go okay so well it's it's been great chatting Isaac thanks so much for coming on congratulations to Conken United really they must be very satisfied two games two points two clean sheet um, yeah I think a lot of good things to to build on and work for moving forward. That's great. Thank you. Okay, so hopefully we'll speak again soon. Yeah, I hope so. See you soon, Dale. Bye. Ties to the podcast. So there you go. Um, it was very raw when we talked about it. Literally, literally, the final whistle had just gone. So anything you want to add? It doesn't sound like a bad nil-nil to me. Uh, a Con King going to score this month? That's the question. Well, they had a couple of chances, as I said in the chat with Isaac, right at the death. The game was going end-to-end. In fact, in injury time, the ball was one end of the pitch and it was pinged up to the other and both sides had great chances to win it. If they go their whole season just drawing nil-nil, that'll be quite an achievement, I think. Yeah, just one other thing. I was quite surprised they played that game Monday night. It might have affected the gate because, uh, spoiler alert, where I was, I saw a few Chombry shirts in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. Although, although, having said that, we, we tend tend to find, I mean, Chombry being the kind of place that it is, you get a lot of people who move into that area for work. So when we play any of the teams from the northeast, there's a large 
fan base who are already in that area. They're, they're probably working at one of the industrial estates or at Lanchabang. You know, that, that'll that usually makes up a large part of the away attendance on these occasions. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Coming up next, we had him on the programme last week reading a brief extract from his new book. And then I sat down with him this week and we had a lovely chat. It's been a while since I've spoken to Matt. He's a, he's a fascinating bloke, always interesting to talk to. And we did talk about his up his upcoming tome, Thai Football Tales, A Beautiful Madness. So sit back and enjoy the interview with Matt Riley. So it's great to have Matt Riley on the show. If you were listening last week, you'd have heard him read an excerpt from his new book, Thai Football Tales, A Beautiful Madness. And now he's here to talk about it. So welcome, Matt. Hey, Dale. Good to talk to you. It's been a long time. It has. It's been too long, mate. The book, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good opening, Gabby. I like it. Yeah, so basically, I came back from Thailand and uh, life got on as normal. But then when COVID hit, it really made me reflect on the experiences of, of working in Thailand. And I'd already had a couple of books out. And I sent a, a manuscript to my publishers about my experiences. And I really didn't expect, Dale, to for them to even respond and they read it and they liked it and I was really lucky to have it published and and really it's just a kind of a way of kind of getting my head around what happened there because there were so many unbelievably crazy experiences and also the fact I don't think people in England really believed a lot of them happened they were so bizarre at times. Even as a fan some of the things you see are unbelievable and things you hear about but obviously you you were right in the centre of this you you were involved because you were at two clubs weren't you You at Mung Tong first and then Supanbury. So you, yeah. you were right at the heart of it. All these things were going on around you without giving too mm. much away. Can you give us a little taster of the kind of things you were you were witnessing firsthand? Yeah, I mean, as you say, I was right in the middle. So I was on the team coach. I was seeing the training. I was with the players. And you're in those, those kind of interminable hours in hotel lobbies, talking to people and that sort of thing. So really, a lot of it was kind of what really surprised me was the sheer amount of power and money that was behind the scenes. So, you know, with the two clubs of our work for Mungtong United at the time they were dominant in Thai football owned by CM Sport so you know sort of the sky sport of Thailand and it was okay with that so there's actually some things I haven't put in the book because I promised my wife um, <laughs> there were things that went on in the background that in a way I became almost invisible so they would talk about certain uh, plans that they had like um, certain uh, actions they were going to take and they weren't always aware that, that, that I was listening but I've always, from both clubs, particularly with Sapambury, I made it very clear that I would keep their trust. So uh, there are a lot of things that happened that I never spoke about, a lot of injuries that perhaps were not put in the press in the, in the way that it really happened. But particularly in Sapambury, I, I got a lot of trust from from Kuntop, the um, Varawatsil Archer. So a lot of those things behind the scenes were really the biggest one, actually, is, is the first chapter really about Qatar. The fact that we played Al Ain when I worked with Mung and they told us chapter and verse on how they bought the, the World Cup. And, and that experience, again, is still amazing to me because I came back that summer, told my friends to bet on Qatar being, this is 2010, to Qatar being the host. And you simply couldn't bet on it. So, yeah, there, there are things that I didn't include for the sake of my wife. But it was astonishing to be in that middle of that area where you you saw all of the kind of the machinations and mechanisms of what was going on. And quite frankly, it was uh, scary at times, but certainly very eye opening. Appreciate you. You've got to be quite careful what you're saying. So just going mm. back to that, the mm. things you have put in the book, did you have to get it approved? Has it been read by by lawyers? Interesting question, actually, mate, because uh, uh, the, the publishing house I've got is called Pitch Publishing and they're sports uh, specialists. And particularly about Qatar, 
and particularly about some of the other uh, experiences that I had, I really thought that there would be a problem with that. But they've run it through their lawyers. They've looked at it. That is, obviously, it's been edited and proved and checked um, and fact-checked. And they've they've accepted almost as is that I've said. Now, I've taken some names out and I've put the role of the person in, particularly um, some of the situations that happened uh, in Spanbury. But it's been kind of waved through, which I'm hoping means it's a good thing. Very interesting. I was very fortunate. You, you very kindly sent me a copy of the book and I've read through yeah. it. And obviously a lot of the, the tales are, are quite familiar to me because, mm. you know, obviously you, you were writing for blogs and websites and you, you very kindly contributed to, to my blog as well with some mm. of the stories. What's your, your favourite? Or I mean, it must be difficult to pick. It's like asking you to pick mm. your favourite child, I suppose. Yeah, but what, I yeah. mean, have you got a favourite story you can probably just share a little bit with us mm. now to give us a, a taster? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it was it was going up to Bury Ram and meeting uh, Nevin Chitchop. The whole experience from being picked up on the edge of Bangkok by his assistant to spending the weekend there. And then after the game, which uh, getting on the Bury Ram team bus and going inside and finding out that it was nothing like any other bus I'd been on, that it was kind of a, a highly oxygenated environment. So you looked at the outside of the bus and thought it was a standard bus, but you went inside, it was almost like a spaceship where this over-oxygenated atmosphere was there. And I was sat on the bus and I was just, even just that one day, you just reflect on it, you think, this is crazy, it's absolutely crazy. You get dropped off at the edge of Bangkok. I had a friend of mine, Pascal de Lezuana, who's... Um, who was working for L'Equipe at the time, and he's he's done some of the photos, fantastic photographer. And we were just there at three o'clock in the morning, sort of overexcited and over-oxygenated and just thinking, I can't believe what I've seen. And one of the things I say in the chapter is when I was interviewing there in, uh, on the side of the pitch, I didn't realise I was actually being tracked. I was actually being filmed the whole time. And when I went back to my hotel, you know, they showed me the footage of my day in a kind of just be careful what you do way. And I, I have to say, I really like Nerwin. I like the fact that he was very, very precise and very clear with me. Um, just that one day and being on the pitch at Bury Ram, just standing there next to the coaches thinking, this is insane. What am I doing? And I always thought that, Dale, when I had an amazing experience like that, I thought this could be the last time I ever do it. So I made a really conscious effort just to absorb it. You know, when I'm in the changing rooms before a Champions League game or we're flying to uh, an away game in, in Da Nang, for example, when I was working for Mung Tong, there's always think this could be the last time you ever did it. And uh, I think that kind of helped because it made me not take it for granted. It was it was astonishing. And I, and I knew it was astonishing at the time. To have that access must have been amazing. Amazing. And the bus as well. I mean, that sounds like a metaphor for the whole thing, really. It looks looks <laughs> yes. quite ordinary and, and sane from the outside. But once you get in, then it's, mm. it's a completely different story. Yes, definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of examples of that all the way through. And, you know, sort of my great friend, Rene, who's, who's now actually coaching in Huahin, even in his ripe old age, you know, that the experiences that we had, especially when, when Mung Tong were in the Champions League, is just just incredible. And you look at it and you just think, this really shouldn't work. You know, we, we, we got to... To, to an away game in the Champions League and none of the team turned up. And I'm on the plane, sitting on the runway, thinking, how am I going to explain this? And they just stopped the plane on the runway. And the, the players just walked in all late. But I'm just sitting on the plane thinking, we've stopped on the runway for the players to come on because obviously uh, couldn't pop and his dad, um, Louis, very powerful figures. And, and it's just amazing. It's just that sort of feeling of slightly macabre and also incredibly funny and also startling at the same time. And it's just wonderful. And again, it, even after all these years there, I'm just kind of processing it in a way, thinking, how on earth did this happen? And, and 
particularly at Spanbury, you know, to get a really nice job and, and having a driver and, and a club apartment and all these things and just thinking, my goodness me, you know, I started with zero income for a couple of years when I was trying to interview people and, and here we are. I know that Steve Darby, a, a kind of mutual friend of ours, I mean, he, he said to me, you know, there's the stuff that goes on, you, you just can't believe it that that must be hard to get across how, how do you do that how do you convince people that these things are actually true and they did actually happen I mean, we've, we've only got one. your word for it Matt exactly exactly I mean there are some photos to corroborate my facts as it were but yeah I, what I tried to do is just to kind of write it I had a really nice review because Steve uh, has very kindly also read the book and, and he's written a, a quote for the back of the book basically saying you know if you didn't live in Thailand you think it was a work of fiction but I know it actually is true. So in a way, that's exactly what you're just saying. But what I've tried to do is try to write in a kind of a really immediate way, kind of almost like a breathless way, as if you and I are talking. So not to try to overstylize it and give as many facts as I can to, again, to corroborate it. You know, I went through a timeline of things that happened, like you know Brian Robson coming around to, to Harrow and meeting him at Man United uh, players and getting all the dates right, getting all the locations right, and, you know, things like the core Royal Cup riots and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, probably people will think that I'm making it up, but uh, I have to say, I have to uh, be very honest and say, I would be foolish to make a lot of that <laughs> That would not be a good idea. It's a very niche subject. So yeah. how, how, are you go- how are you going about promoting it and, and what, what what's the audience? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I thought about doing it in Thai and my wife suggested that, and she's absolutely right, that really it's for expats in Thailand. So what I've got is my job is at Exeter University teaching marketing. So I've actually got a group of students, mostly Thai, who are making connections with Thai media companies. I've got people like Steve, um, uh, I guess surname, surname now, but Steve who used to work with Fox Sport, he's very kindly helping me. I've got people that I used to work with who are expats uh, promoting it that way. And what I hope is it's going to be something a bit different because the great thing about a niche market, and I, I teach this to my students, is it might be small, but you have very passionate people. So what I'm hoping is, and not looking for you know massive sales or whatever it might be, it's just the experience of getting that story out. And the, those expats, and again, uh, sorry, Steve Dawson, that's it, I remember his name now. So Steve Dawson's also read the book. He's been really kind in promoting it. And then obviously the people that he works with, hopefully they'll read it and enjoy it and I'll send them a copy. Um, So really, I just what I'd really like is just people to enjoy it, people to see how I have positive feelings. I don't want people to feel I'm negative about Thai football. I loved it. There were things that jolted and jarred, but that's perhaps cultural differences and and new leagues and the way things are done perhaps being differently so yeah i'm hoping they'll just have a a nice feeling that people enjoy it for what it is i'm I'm sure they will i mean like i said i've i've been lucky enough to read it and it it is fascinating it's very entertaining very enjoyable um and i mean obviously we're we're doing our bit on here to help promote it and i'd I'd encourage everybody to to track down a copy and read it Mm. Just one final thing before we go. So having all this access and this insight and being able to see things firsthand and, you know, Mm. go home at the end of the day, scratching your head, wondering if you've dreamt it all. What are your feelings towards Thai football now? Has Has it changed how you view it or can you just sit and watch a game in isolation and enjoy it for what it is or are you very aware of what's been going on to get to that 90 minutes on the field? That's a really interesting question, Dale. It's something that Steve Darby and I have spoken about a lot. In a way, I kind of wish I hadn't uh, lifted the curtain to what's going on behind, because what you can do is you see certain actions and you can reverse engineer them and work out what has probably happened. So in a way, I feel 
slightly sullied by what I know and what I experienced. And again, there's things, unfortunately, there are things that when I knew you in Thailand, I, I wasn't able to share with you. Things that I haven't shared with this in this book because it's perhaps a little bit darker than uh, than I should be going. But yeah, there is that feeling. But what I also think is that the atmosphere, you know, st- sitting, you know, stories like, and I put it in the book, going to the Leo Stadium that was with a with a bottle of whiskey and ice in an esky, and the people in front of us being told they're not allowed to drink water in uh, in the stadium, but we're waved through and we sit there and we go and we have a wonderful time and there's no trouble. And, you know, people, uh, the, the multi-generational fan base and all these wonderful things. I hope also that's what people will get, Dale, uh, who don't know about Thai football, is the sheer joy of spending family time at football looking at the football as a scientific uh, process may be frustrating but the overall experience the wonderfully cheap beers the massive getting back to the leo stadium the massive amounts of beer you get given when in england you're getting ripped off and not allowed to, to drink it in most places is you know again it's wonderful and i feel in a way a strange kind of evangelist for thai football because warts and all it's just amazing yeah, oh, that's that's good to hear. And like you say, I mean, for the for the average fan, it is that. I mean, that's that's what we all enjoy. I think more than anything, you know, quite a few people say that the football really is is secondary to the the experience and the whole day. So anyway, we've got thirty seconds left, Matt. Yep. Now's your chance. Get your plug in. So, uh, Thai Football Tales, Beautiful Madness, published by Pitch Publishing. It's on all of the main uh, sites, Amazon, uh, Wardstones, WH Smith, available for pre-order now, and it will be published in 30 days' time. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Matt, for coming on and, and sharing those uh, tales with us. And all the Thank best you. with the book. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's going to be a huge success. Anyway, take care, Thank mate, you. and let's not leave it as long next time. Absolutely. Thanks for your support, mate. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Oh, that was that was great. I say I really enjoyed that. He's he's obviously he's, he's so full of stories. Uh, the book's full of a lot more. Well worth buying. And if you don't want to buy it, we've got a very exciting competition now. Matt has very kindly offered to give away a signed copy of his new book. All you have to do is listen to what Matt has to say now. And then send in your answers. You can either send them in, DM us via Twitter. You can send them in via the website. And I'll also put an email address underneath as well where you can send them. So here's Matt with details of his competition to win the book. everyone if you'd like a signed author copy of thai football tales a beautiful madness that's being published on september the 18th by pitch publications all you have to do is answer this simple question on match day four there are eight games how many goals will be scored and the person that's the nearest will be given my author copy of the book ahead of publication and good luck everyone competition time Exciting stuff. Look forward to hearing from you all. So, any, anything to say, Rob, about first the interview and then the competition? Well, the competition, very generous. Thank you very much, Matt. I used to be an avid listener to his old podcast, learnt lots from it, very entertaining. And I look forward to reading the book. It's, it's going to be a great book, and that's that's out next month. Our next bit, we've got some guy called Rob Bernard. So, would you like to introduce it, Rob? As luck would have it, when the cricket finished at Koh Chang on Sunday, on the way back to Bangkok, the AF under 23 three championships have been held in Rayong so what better to treat the wife than a bit of football after cricket Ties Ties to the podcast. Podcast.
match reports. Rob here at the PTT Stadium in Rayong, where it's finished Thailand 2, Cambodia 0 in Group A of the AFF Under-23 Championships. Steady victory, uh, curious tactics in the first half, as the host weren't sure whether to stick or twist, being head of the group, only needing a point tonight. They went close on 26 minutes when uh, Tak Danai uh, Jaihan beat the keeper, Leang Rett, to the ball near to the box, but saw his effort blocked by a superb sliding effort. Red would have lots to do over the evening. Thailand coach uh, Imsar uh, Sritaro at the break ran the changes, bringing on three subs and immediately the injected urgency. The dead block was broken in comedic fashion, a cross beat all the forwards from a set piece. For some reason a defender headed towards his own net, Rett and another defender left it to each other before the goalie helped the trickling effort over his own line. It turned out that Sam Oitina was uh, credited with the own goal. That was five minutes after the break. The tricky conditions exemplified when the Times player's physio slipped when running out to help a player. Got a good round of applause and a lot of laughter. A good team block from the Thai defence snuffed out a Cambodian half-chance before a shot from substitute Netikon took another deflection off uh, Hooped Vanet to leave Rett stranded. 2-0 to the host with 10 minutes to go. Vanintorn came off the bench to force his way past three defenders before being denied by the outstretched boot of Red. The Thai skipper, Song Thai uh, Tom Chan of Chombri, looked good at the back, though there's possibly an Harry Maguire type error in him. A crowd of around 2,300, so the favourite zone, they'll play in Thursday's semi final at 8 o'clock at the Rayong Provincial Stadium. And one little extra of note, not one Buriram player in the starting lineup. Is that the future? Some may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Thank you. And what, what did you make of PTT Stadium? It's an amazing little stadium. It would be a prototype for a perfect T1 football stadium. But its location, Dale, it was never going to work there. Never going to work. There's not enough houses around it. And it's one of the penalties of being owned by a company. As soon as they lose interest, you're finished. There is hope in some ways because uh, I've read up on various blogs and what have you. There is an academy side playing out of there now. So that's that's quite encouraging. It'd be great to see it used again for a, a club. I, I get what you're saying about its location, but I think it, again, if you know, if people want to make the effort, I don't think it's it's that difficult to get to. Um, and it, it's a great facility. It's such a shame that you know when when the Thai league's crying out for purpose-built football grounds, that one of the best examples of that is just being left pretty much unused. Very very similar to up in Ubon. Another stadium that yeah. I really like. Moving on, it's you again, Rob. A few more things you want to get off your chest this week. I love Thai football and I love living here, Dale. And I just don't get the treatment that away fans get. Right, let's hear what you've got to say about that. Rob's regularly. Thailand. Paradise. I love it being here. As you can hear, I'm in a pretty relaxed area, listening to a bit of chill-out music. By the beach at Koh Chang, waiting for the cricket to start. And as you may have picked up, I'm quite a positive person. And Dale says, what are you going to do for your piece this week, Rob? Well, positive though I am, I have found something I don't like in Thai football. Why do we charge more for away fans at Thai football? 
The views are shocking. Some of the views from behind the goal, beyond the track. They're uncovered areas. They're away from the food and drink facilities. Yeah, I know that we try to copy Western tribalism at grounds and, and everything, but there's sometimes it's just not gonna work. Now, I sometimes forget my age, and some of you maybe don't remember, but it was like that in years gone by in England. They used to charge more in away sections. Led to a lot of bother. People weren't going to put up with it, so they went in the omens and it in invariably ended up in scuffles at times. No good. Charge the same. I've, I've got to the stage in life now, and I do cheer for the team in blue and orange on occasions, I have to admit, but it's not a matter of life and death to me. If they lose, they lose. So now, I choose the best view regardless. At Terro, I'm not going to pay 200 to go in a corner with a poor view. I sit opposite for 120 under cover. Same at Montong, I'm not bothered if away fans are banned. I'll still be there, sat in uh, the northeast corner. And as for that view at Chiang Mai, dearie me. The municipal stadium in Chiang Mai, the view's shocking. If any owners happen to be listening, and welcome along if you are, please drop this silly roll. Make everyone welcome and charge the same price. Cheers. Rob's There you go. So very valid points. I mean, I can remember a time, this was before crowds were anywhere near what they are now. When you'd go to a ground as an away fan, you'd always be given half of the main stand. So you were yeah. undercover, yeah. you were paying the same price as the home fans, you had the same view pretty much. And it was only really 2011, 2012, I think, onwards, that this, I'm not going to call it dual pricing, because it isn't, but this this extra bit for away fans. The first time I can remember it happening was we went to be see Tarot when they were over at Minbury and they were charging us about 50, 100 baht more than home fans to sit in the same section and that was the first time I remember it and then obviously it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, it, it's no good I mean, very valid points Graham made, you know, we had incidents at Pattaya but if you're going to rip people off it's going to lead to incidents Definitely, anyway, hopefully it's something they can they can resolve and I think, you know, if, if enough people make a stand, who knows, we might be able to affect some change in that respect one club started it off it would snowball just needs yeah. one club and make a point yeah be nice to see anyway just just before we finish you mentioned the patio united game now i did get some reaction from a couple of patio fans to phil's interview the other week now i've invited them on so far i've had no response so if if they're listening or if any other patio united fans are listening and you want to come on and give your version of event. We're quite happy to have anyone on this show and you're allowed to discuss whatever you like, within reason. So yeah, any Patty United fans who do want to come on and talk about the events last week against some Upper City, you know where to find us. I would I would add to that in, in balance from our side that there was a member of the media team at Samut Prakan City fired for igniting uh, this, what the, the owner of Samut Prakan perceived to be igniting the situation. So fair play to it. PC for that. Good point. And excellent, very decisive, swift action as well. So uh, good to see. That's pretty much it for this week. Another packed episode. Thanks very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you do have any match reports, anything you want to say, just get in touch. We want as many people as possible to be involved. As Rob's has said on many occasions, we're just here to hold it all together and to host it. It's it's your show. Yeah, and it's good goodbye from me. Have a great week, everyone. I might do an amateur game Sunday and I'll be sitting on my hands at the Thunderdome on Monday night. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about that. So have a good week, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.